Welcome to a very special bonus episode of This Glorious Mess. Now, birth stories are something of a rite of passage for parents. After you've had that baby, everybody wants to know how it came out. And it can be very empowering to share that story because as every parent and especially mothers know, things don't always go exactly as you had them down on your birth plan. In fact, it very rarely does. So it can be very reassuring to know that other people had just as much of a WTF moment when they suddenly realised that this process was completely beyond their control. Joining me to share her birth story today is a very beloved member of Mamma Mia's family, our executive editor, beauty guru and influencer extraordinaire, Lee Campbell, has just had her baby, like literally less than two weeks ago when we recorded this show. Beautiful Alexander came into the world and Lee wanted to share that story because she wants to empower women too. Now, if you've come to this glorious mess specifically to listen to Lee's story and you don't normally listen to our show, I just want to tell you a little bit about what we normally do. Usually here you'd find myself. I'm Holly Wainwright. I work at Mama Mia and I have two kids, Matilda and Billy, who are both at primary school and you'd find Andrew Daddo who has three older kids teenagers and between us we share all kinds of messy stories about family life but today it's not Andrew and I it's just me and Lee and we are sharing her beautiful chaotic unexpected birth story. Lee Campbell welcome back to the Mamma Mia pod studio it is so strange to be out of the house and in um, clothing and around people. So thank you. Tell us how old baby Alexander uh, is now. Today he's 13 days old. Oh. So I've been out of hospital a week. Yes, I'm at work. Come for me, Mummy Mafia. <laughs> for an hour and then I'm going back to him. She's only at work for an hour, everybody. And Calm this was my down. suggestion. Yes. So Mama Mia did not say, please come and record a podcast one week out of hospital. I texted Holly and said, I'd like to tell my story. Uh, it's very kind of you to put that on the record, Lee Cam because people will be like, that woman should be at home with her baby. That woman is at home with her baby, everybody. She's just out of the house for an hour. I'm only out as long as my boobs will let me. <laughs> and Alexander is with his dad. He is, which... yes. He's not being babysat. He is with his other parent. <laughs> exactly. So Lee wants to share her birth story with us because, you know what, it is a brilliant story of how things don't always go according to plan. Um, and so let's start at the beginning. Now, a lot of people know that you went through a lot to have this pregnancy at all and to have Alexander at all. So could you just tell me a little bit about your expectations going into the birth? Yes, I can. So, I mean, the good thing was I think such a long fertility journey, which, look, wasn't as long as many others, but, you know, three years, lots of IVF had given up, as you know, and then he happened, the baby happened. Um, I had learnt not to really expect things, I thought, so I didn't have a birth plan. I had one wish. I didn't want to go through 30 hours of labor and then a cesarean. I wanted to either have a vaginal birth, that was my preference, or a planned cesarean or just something that I could kind of plan around because I think the anxiety of having a baby, I, I had huge anxiety around stillbirth. And so I liked the fact that my plan was we'd booked in for an elective induction, no medical reason um, other than that he was a big baby and I have... Um, maybe a bit too much TMI, but my physio, um, they measure your perineum 
and I had a quite a small perineum. Oh. <laughs> and oh, so congratulations. They, thank you. It's not good in birth though. <laughs> no. So they said, you know, slightly large baby, small perineum, you're likely to perhaps tear or need an episiotomy. So they suggested induction at nine, 39 weeks in one day which we had planned. And um, I remember that you were using, what do you call that thing? The epino. The epino to stretch said yes. tiny perineum. Correct. To help you deliver big baby. Yes. And so I really, really wanted a vaginal birth because I think so much of our fertility process was very clinical and medical. So I wanted to try and do it the way it's always been done. And so I did do the epino, which is like a little plastic balloon, not so little. It does go up to 10 centimetres and you put it in and you pump it up and it stretches the area. So I had prepared my area. Sounds <laughs> Not fun. And I had a really bad cough at the time and I was using it every time I coughed it would pop out. <laughs> the mental image. Honestly. But anyway, it um, prepared my vagina um, for a vaginal birth and that was the plan. And so you were, you had your obstetrician who you loved. I you adored love? my obstetrician and they're... Um, it's a group of three women and they're in Randwick for anyone in Sydney and you see your primary obstetrician but there's two other females that you see throughout your pregnancy. So one of three will deliver your baby but I was lucky enough that my primary obstetrician who I'm obsessed with did. She has very good bedside manner, knew my anxiety. She did my DNC when I miscarried a few years ago so I loved her. Mm. So I was very um, emotionally attached to her and she was available on the day for my induction. induction. So so you pack your bag, yep. you're all ready because the thing about induction is you're like, you know. Yes, so I did my hair. I had some lashes on. Everyone's <laughs> commented on my lashes. I wanted to feel good. Well, that's a big part of you and who you are, right? Right, and anyone... because it was planned, I could. Yes, exactly. You were able to do that. You weren't going to be caught between waxes. No. I, well, that part was not that pretty. But anyway, I um, wore my beautiful Target skirt. My parents came in. We went to dinner first because we were going in to be induced at 8pm at night. So it was all very to my liking, which is to be in control of things. Yes. And then, so you go and into then, a hospital to be induced at 8pm. Yes. And what happens? So induced at 8, it was very efficient. Um, I had what's called the gel. I don't know what kind of gel it is, but a gel is put into your cervix to um, start the hormones and simulate what would happen naturally. So that was in by 9. That's not the funnest part, to be honest. They're um, getting their hands really right up there to get into the cervix. It's not just kind of like popping a tampon in. Liza's shaking her head. Producer Lies, who is the person in the room who has not yet had a baby, no. is going, whereas I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. yep. And look, that was just the start. But of course, you're still a little bit prudish at the start. And, you know, you've just taken all your clothes off and what's to come. And then you're like, sure. Everyone have a look, whatever. Um, but gelling at nine and you wait six hours. So I and said, they tell you to go for a walk and stuff, don't they? Well, they did me, I remember, because I was induced with Billy and it's like, go and walk around the hospital. I can still yes. remember just walking up and down these bloody hospital corridors. Correct. And of course, you know, all the natural things apply like gravity. and, and But it was it was nighttime. So they said, go to sleep. I said, Rich, you go home because likely nothing's going to happen until the morning. Just keep your phone on. Um, and then they came back in at 3 a.m. to check. And of course, I haven't slept at all. I'm so excited. I'm so nervous. And the gel kind of induces what I would call kind of moderate period pain. So you're like, oh, stuff's happening. Okay, this is exciting. And they come back in at 3 a.m. and they check and they're like, oh, not a huge amount has happened. You're a tiny bit dilated. Let's do gel again. So then you have to wait another six hours. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. That brings us up to, I think, about 9 a.m. So by that stage, Rich is back. My parents are there because the plan was to have my mum at the birth. Thank God she wasn't in the end because (laughs) at this stage they're coming in, you know, you've got monitors on your belly. They're monitoring your heart rate, the baby's heart rate. And every time I would move, it would come off the baby's heart rate. And there's mum in the corner going, oh, my God, the baby's heart rate. Oh, Oh my God. And I said, mum, I need game (laughs) face because whatever I see on your face, it alarms me. 
Yeah, of And course. then she's saying to my husband, what are they saying? Because she's half deaf <laughs> to, about the nurses. And so I thought, oh, God, I can't have mum here for this. But anyway. So how did you, did you have to ask her to leave? I didn't then, but when push came to shove, not real push, but we'll get to that, um, it was the middle of the night and she was down the road because they live, you know, not close to the hospital. And I chose not to call her because I was stressed and it was an emergency in the end, but we'll get to that. But 9am, that was two gels and they checked and they tried to break my waters by that stage, but they couldn't quite get there. Not a lot was happening. That part's not particularly fun. No, it's kind of like a knitting needle thing yes, with a hook on it. correct. Yeah. And they're kind of fishing around to try and pop this balloon. <laughs> Lise is now. I think Lise would now please like to leave the recording. And she's like going, producer's going, can I just leave this thing running? I know, you could. <laughs> and the funny thing is at this stage, I'm still very much in my Lee Camel type A work mode. So I'm like, right, well, I need, my family have all got this the day off. As you know, my family's very close. Mm. We've always been at every birth of everyone. We've got a family conch that's blown at every birth and every death. And so oh. the family is waiting to get the call to come to the hospital. So I'm like, look, how long is this going to take? You didn't break my waters. Are we doing gel again? I've got to text my WhatsApp group. And they're like, okay, lady. (laughs) This lady is managing this. (laughs) And so I'm texting my sister saying, okay, no, they're using a chopstick. It's not working. Gel on for another six hours. And And all this time you're having like moderate pain but not Moderate pain. Contractions. Uh, Well, on the screen it looked like contractions. Yeah, moderate pain that was coming and going. So pre-labour contractions. Um, And by this stage, by the third gel, my parents were still with us. In the we were in the birthing suite. Obviously, we were getting up and going for walks outside, going for a coffee, coming back. They'd check, Um, and so that took us to about four p.m. Um, And by that stage, I was a little bit dilated, and what I thought were contractions, which were pre-labour contractions, were pretty hectic. Mm, Hurts, right? It hurts. And I was like, wow, we, women that really go into active labour without drugs, because I wanted an epidural, and I knew I was having it, and it said on my card, I'm having an epidural as soon as she asked for it, and they're great like that. And so at four o'clock, they said, okay, let's see how you go, keep going until you really want the epidural, let's try to get to 8pm. Parents are still there. So by this stage, it's been about 24 hours. Didn't really sleep because I was so excited. And then around seven, I was like, okay, I need the epidural now. It was these pre-labor contractions are pretty hardcore. And I thought I was pretty tough because I've got endo and I know period pain, but I was kind of being a bit nasty to Rich and my parents at that stage because they were just <laughs> lolling and having a great time. And I'm like, guys. <laughs> and so I said at seven, okay, I need the epidural. And they said, can you wait till eight? And I was like, no, I want it now. What, they wanted you to wait because obviously they want it to last the maximum Correct. amount of time. Yeah, right? they weren't trying to yeah. push any sort of natural labor on me. No. They um, just knew that my cervix had a long way to go. And so they didn't want me, you know, once you're on the bed, once you have an epidural, you can't a lot get of, up and move yeah, around. Yeah, a lot of people that. don't know that. Mm. You have a catheter, you can't go to the toilet, you can't get up and walk around. And obviously gravity really helps with labor. So they want you to do that as long as possible. But I said, no, nah, give it to me. And then they make things happen very quickly. So my parents left to go back to the hotel at that stage and I'm lying there and the epidural was crazy to me. Like it's like such a um, specific thing. Like it's like a Mission Impossible. So they're lying on the side telling you, they do it in between contractions, telling you not to move. They put it into your spine. Were you frightened? Um, I trusted the guy. Um, my obstetrician said, this guy's done my epidurals. He does all the obstetrician's epidurals. So I trusted him. Um, but it was really quite an involved process. I didn't realise. Um, they do both sides. They say, okay, an electric shock's going down your leg now. You're going to feel this. Don't jump. So, of course, you jump because you're like, oh, God. Because um, they're trying to get a needle, a big needle, 
in, in exactly the right place. Exactly the right place into your spine to basically paralyze you from the waist mm. down. Uh, not paralyze, you can feel things, but you can't walk. Yes. You can feel sensation, but you don't feel any pain. So that was quite confronting, um, but then it kicked in and, oh, my God, it was heaven. Oh, I loved it. I haven't had one. Oh, it was great. So is it I like, imagine it's like heroin. Do you immediately just, everything stops? Everything just feels fuzzy. And although I felt extremely itchy everywhere, no one Ooh. warns you. And I said that's to the like nurse. like a junkie. Yes. I said to the nurse, I'm very itchy. And she said, yeah, that's common. I was like, okay. <laughs> so by this stage, it's night two. They've rolled out this fold out for poor Rich that was like sleeping on a crossket. It was <laughs> horrific for the poor guy, but whatever, I'm in labour. Yeah, you can just suck you it can up. Deal. Are you like watching telly on your phones? Like, How are no, you making time pass? Um, well, once the epidural was in, I'm, they'd been giving me penadine for, for the last 24 hours. I was sleepy because I hadn't mm. slept the night before. So they said, and I was like, great, because once the epidural was in, they were doing the third thing, which is the drip. So the drip's what really simulates your yeah. hormones and you, you go into labour. So I was like, right, let's get this baby out. And then they said, no, you're going to go to sleep now. The drip will start slowly. The baby will come in the morning. I was like, oh, that doesn't really suit me. Um, <laughs> and my family. My, family. my WhatsApp group and my conch. <laughs> right? It's not working. But um, had it been born that day, it would have been a Gemini. And I, and I wanted a cancer. <laughs> and I'd said that to my obstetrician and she didn't enjoy that. They don't really believe in star signs, I don't think. <laughs> I love that. So anyway, they said, no, no, the baby will probably come in the morning or keep you posted. And I was like, okay. So mum and dad had gone home. Rich was trying to get some sleep. I was very sleepy in, in a lovely um, epidural haze. So I was, you know, just kind of lying there and trying to sleep. And then at about 2am, I um, felt sort of like a slither of pain down my left side. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Just one, one little bit. And I'm looking on the monitor and obviously you can see the contractions, but you can't feel them with an epidural. But I could feel it just in that few centimetres. And then that few centimetres widened. Oh, no. And slowly, it was like out of a movie, slowly the epidural wore off across my body. And I've got the buzzer thingy to top it up every 15 minutes. I'm buzzing it like a mad woman. And I'm saying to them, oh, I can feel half of this and I can feel. And they checked. And for some reason, we don't know why the epidural just stopped working on me. They were, wow. It was going in. Um, Is that something that happens? I guess. Or are you just... I'm just so lucky that it stopped working. By this stage, I'm five centimetres, so I'm halfway, but I've still got a ways to go, obviously. And I'm told, I'm not a wuss, I'm told that the drip that it simulates birth makes contractions more painful than yeah. normal. And contractions normally, I can imagine, are extremely painful. So at five centimetres, I'm... Of course I'm, you're not a wuss. <laughs> but, oh my Lord, I could not and I was just gripping the blanket on the bed to get through these contractions and you can see them on the screen so it's like knowing that someone's going to hurt you every yes. few minutes and then the, when they pass afterwards you're like oh, like yeah. the most enormous relief but then you know it's coming back yeah. so it's like dread the, re- the it's relief just, oh. was like oh that was fine I can do that again but then as it's coming back it's like oh, a train coming fear. towards yeah. you <laughs> and so at this stage I'm like right what's going to happen because they're trying to work out what's going on with the epidural and I'm like I can't do five more centimeters like this. I mean, of course I could have, but I was like, what's ahead of me? And then this is where I started to get a little bit panicked. And the midwife was fantastic. She was calling my obstetrician. It was three or three something in the morning by this stage. Um, And then we were watching the heart rate and my baby's heart rate was going up and up and up. I don't think they told me at this stage, but he was posterior. So he's, which is fine to deliver, but he was facing upwards instead of downwards, still head first, but upwards. So just a harder delivery. But they had planned on, you know, trying to make that work. And then his heart rate was going up and I think it was sitting around 140 most of the time. It was up to 190. 
and my fever had skyrocketed. I, I developed a fever and it had skyrocketed really quickly. And they said, look, this baby's trying to get out. It can't. Oh, baby. And I just was beside myself. And I, I said, said what, okay. how Were you crying? Like, I was uh, Do you remember that moment? Like, I do. What you were saying I was just saying, acting? is the baby okay? Is the baby okay? And they kept saying, the baby's absolutely fine. This is quite common. The baby's safe. That's all I cared about. And what was Rich doing? Um, he was just kind of a bit in awe, I think, because I think after watching someone get an epidural, that's pretty hectic, watching, you know, needles in spines and stuff. He just wanted whatever I wanted. And they said very calmly, you know, your baby's in distress. It's probably not going to come out this way. We have to do an emergency cesarean. I said, yep, great, 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 great. Also, because I wanted the baby up, but I didn't want to feel another contraction. <laughs> so I wanted them to do it in that five like minutes. right now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and my obstetrician's so calm and she's talking, and they have to talk you through the risks. So she's, you know, one in 1,000, would- this could happen. And she's talking and I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, give me the paper. I'll sign the paper. Um but I was really worried because I thought I can't have come this far and then something happened. But I obviously thought that maybe that would happen because I'm so terrified that it wouldn't. I would never get yes. there. And then it all happened very quickly. They wheeled me down to theatre and obviously Rich came, changed into scrubs and they were great. I can't – I just think people that work in the medical industry are so – wonderful and they do everything in theatre to make it feel like a really warm an environment so it's not a real clinical operation. And there's and calm like calm. because that's so important because you're very far from calm. Exactly and there's it's nothing, been 32 hours have by never this been higher in your world. <laughs> yeah and 32 hours in and it didn't feel like 32 hours because the Friday had been quite fun hanging out with my husband my family you know my parents in the room but I was ready for it to be over by that stage. Um, And they wheeled me down at about 4.30 and then it all happened very quickly. They explained what was going to happen, which I just thought was so fascinating in itself. They um, used the same epidural spot to put through whatever they put through. And so you're numb, but you can still feel things. They use ice to roll up and down your body to say, tell me when you can feel it cool. It's cool. So you can still feel it cool up to about your boobs and then it stops. And then again. And then so you couldn't feel the contractions anymore. Correct. And you can't obviously feel when they cut through seven layers of whatever they cut through to get to your baby. Um, and, yeah, it happened really quickly. They popped the sheet up. They explained everything. And So they put the sheet up so you can't see. Yes. Do you have a choice about that or that's just how they do it? Well, I'm assuming that's just how they do it. Yeah. I didn't want to see. No. And you've got – I had Rich up with me and I had another lovely, lovely nurse who was obviously, you know, her job is to keep you calm and she had our phone ready for photos. And what amazed me was they said, okay, we're dropping the sheet now, the baby's head's out, look up. And I was like, no, I don't want to. And they said, no, no, you do want to. I said, no, I don't want to. And my obstetrician made me and I did. I looked up and there's this head sticking out of my (laughs) belly. But I didn't realise it was my belly at this stage. And she said, okay, I'm going to deliver your baby now. And while I was watching, pulled my baby out so that their genitals were basically right in my face. It was still very much as simulated a real delivery as possible so that you can feel involved, I think. And then she said, tell everyone what it is. And I said, it's a boy because his (laughs) boyhood was right there. Can you describe in any way like what that felt like to see him for the first time? Uh, I felt bewildered by everything, I think, because I was still so scared that he was – and they said he probably won't cry. He's going to be really shocked or they didn't know it was he. He or she is going to perhaps not cry because they're just swimming around having a great time and then they're plucked from this hole. They're like, what? I'm glad they warned me because he didn't cry. Yes. He just was like startled, these big bug eyes. Oh, darling. And then um, they took him over, the obstetrician gave him to the paediatrician who takes them over to the table and does all the checks and Rich went over and cut the umbilical cord and 
I think I cried a little bit, but I was just so um, shocked. I was speechless. I don't know. And then they um, they brought him over and put him on my chest. And, and Rich, he's all gooey. He was all gooey and wrapped up. And he had, my husband has a dimple chin and he had a dimple chin. And oh. I was just, that's the only thing I could fixate on was, oh my God, he's got a dimple chin. Like this is our child. I couldn't believe it. Meanwhile, I found it really um calming or comforting that I, then in the background I was listening to my obstetrician and the assisting obstetrician just they're obviously sewing me back up which takes about 50 minutes I didn't realize it Gosh. took so long um just chatting about what they were doing on the weekend and it made me feel like they'd really done this a thousand times before yes and then they said what's his name and I said Alexander and the assisting obstetrician said great name and that was his name oh which was lovely and then after so you didn't know but you had a girl's name and a boy's name. We had a girl's name and we had a boy's name. And so <laughs> when he came out and you saw the penis in your face, <laughs> yes. did you have any feeling about the gender? Did you have any reaction? Were you no. like surprised or no, that's what I thought? Or, oh my God, it's a boy. Like I didn't even think about it. You didn't? It just baby? Just baby. It, the whole thing was never really gender for me because I think as you first, you don't really care. Yeah. Um, both of our boy and girl names started with A, so I was able to, uh, you know, organise monogram things ahead of time. <laughs> which, which is very important. Which is important. Yep. Um, it didn't even occur to me. I yeah. was just like, okay, it's one of those two that we'd been waiting for. And then Rich and Alexander went up to recovery and, and I stayed for about half an hour while they kept sewing me up. And it was funny, I was looking up at the lights, there's all those little circle lights and I was like, oh, I can see what they're doing. I think I might close my eyes now. <laughs> uh, but obviously you can't feel anything. Um, and he was finally there and then we went up to – I went up to recovery and joined them and um, that's when the real roller coaster starts. Yes, it is. You know, we hadn't slept for two days and you've got a lovely woman you've never met milking your breasts for colostrum within the first hour. <laughs> You're like, hello, <laughs> please squeeze did my Did they nipples. try and get Alexander to feed immediately? They did. Yeah. Yep, they tried to pop him on and he was obviously looking yeah. for it like a little koala but he didn't know what he was doing um, and so they – milked my colostrum, which was great. I had heaps of colostrum, which was excellent. But still, it's just like, whoa, what yeah. is going on? The strange woman's hands on my breast. Yeah. And, and I hadn't really thought about that bit. You know, as you know, and I'd said, I'm scared of taking him home and looking after him where there's not people to help. But I didn't really think about the time in hospital. We ended up being in hospital for seven days because it was an emergency and he ended up having to go to special care. But um, Why did he have to go to special care? So um, apparently it's quite common, but babies born through cesarean can often have mucus on their lungs because they were not squished through the squishy bits. Um, but we didn't know that. So he was only probably five hours old and we were just chilling in the room with him and he stopped breathing and turned purple. Oh my God, Lee. And he turned purple and Rich ran out in the corridor and he's screaming, help me, help me. And he's holding him. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Oh. Oh. Also, what they don't tell you is that as soon as you become a mother, you cry at everything. Oh, yes. I've never cried in my life. I'm an emotional person, but I keep it inside. But now I cry 60 times a day. Yes. Anyway, Rich is running down the corridor with his five-hour-old baby going, help me, help me. And they took him to special care and it was fine. It's very common, but um, they often stop breathing and How turn purple. How long did he have to be in special care? He spent the night overnight. So you were separated from him for that time? I was. However, because I'd had a cesarean, I couldn't walk. That day wasn't great, to be honest with you. My obstetrician and my anaesthetist could not agree on my pain medication. So I was under-medicated for the first day. So I was really in extreme pain until a lovely midwife. I have not had a C-section. A C-section, obviously the recovery is no joke. I mean, recovery from any birth is no joke. But So you're in a lot of pain from the wound? You're in a lot of pain from, yeah. I mean, your whole abdomen hurts, not just where they've kind of cut you. Um, It's major 
surgery, major abdominal surgery. They liken it to heart surgery and they say it takes a year to recover from Mm. fully. And I mean, you're not trying to get up that day. They do suggest if you can that evening to try and get up, but I was in a lot of pain. And so I still had the catheter in, so I didn't need to go to the bathroom, of course, but you're bleeding heavily. You have midwives changing your pads. You can't do anything. And so that night when Alexander was in special care, they wheeled my whole bed into special care um, to, to try and feed him some more colostrum. And that was... By that stage, obviously, I hadn't slept for how, however many hours and the lovely nurse on there is obviously good with babies in special care, but I don't think she's dealt with many mothers. So she was trying to get some colostrum, couldn't get some colostrum, made me sign a form to give him formula, which was fine. I just want my baby fed, but I felt confronted with his decision because mm. she said, do you want to give him formula? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What happens now? And then, you know, the next day, the next midwife saying he shouldn't have had formula so early. And I'm like, well, oh, gosh, don't. He did. Don't worry about that. I found that really hard in hospital because all of the midwives are um, very well intentioned, but they all have their own little way of doing things. So on day four, when he'd lost a little bit too much weight, the head kind of breastfeeding midwife put him on a formula supplement plan. But then the breastfeeding person the next day said he should have never been put on that. Yes. He shouldn't be on formula. It's really confusing. It I is think... really disheartening. I ended up leaving the breastfeeding class and they came back to my room and said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I'm just doing what the person before told me to do. I don't know what I'm doing. Please don't tell me I shouldn't have done something when I'm just trying to do the best thing yes. for my son. That also was the cry day. Yeah, the, the cry day. The All cry the day. <laughs> Which is normally day three. In. But I'm told with cesarean things happen slightly later. So day four for me was the cry day. And I had the most beautiful midwife during the first four days, Christina. She was on 12 hour shifts during the day. And it's like you've had a baby with them, not with your husband, because they are there and they're changing your pads and they're milking your breasts and they're drying your legs when you have your first shower. And they're so beautiful. And she wasn't very doting. She was very matter of fact, which is a bit like me. And I loved her for that. She was, there was care under there, but she was a little bit tough love and I loved her. And she came to me on the afternoon of day four and she said, okay, well, I'm not on for the next few days. And I just lost oh, her. Oh, darling. I was hysterical because Christina was the other mother yes. of my baby. And I said, okay. And then I just, I couldn't stop for hours after that. Oh. But I'm told that's normal. So, and Alexander had come out of special care. He had. He so was he was fine. only in there briefly and then he was back with you and yes. you're trying to feed and recover yes. from your C-section. Yes. And, yes. And another thing that they do is um, there's obviously special care, but there's also just the night nurse. And you can send your baby to the night nurse so you can get rest, you know, from the hours of 11 till 6, I think. And they bring the baby back in to feed. So my paediatrician said, absolutely use the night nurse. When you go home, there's no night nurse. So I did for the first two nights. But then my new midwife said, you know, you're going to have to get used to it at home. So have him in your room at night. And I was like, okay. So the last few nights I did. And the bloody bugger didn't sleep more than 45 minutes, of course. And I'm thinking, I should just be using this night nurse because I'm not going to have one at home. But then I felt guilty and already the guilt comes because my baby should be next to me and I know that. And he wouldn't sleep in the cot, so he was sleeping on my chest. And every time a nurse came in, they said, they can't sleep on your chest. They've got to go in the cot. I'm like, oh, okay. This is the f- It's like <laughs> drinking from a fire hose, all of the confusion and judgment of motherhood that, to be honest, I'd like to tell you it stops, but it doesn't. I know. And just in terms of, you know, this person saying this is absolutely the right thing to do and this person saying, no, this is, and you've got to make decisions about things that you feel vastly underqualified to decide. Mm-hmm. 
and it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot because you're also physically recovering. It's a lot. It's Lee. a lot. There's no time you would ever have, you know, three days awake or a major surgery and then have to care for someone's life. No. But you do. Um, but it's funny because I received an email about Traumatic Birth Awareness Week and someone saying, you know, I'd seen on Instagram that you'd had a long labour. Do you want to talk about this? And I was like, well, no, because I'm lucky enough. I don't think it was traumatic. Um, it was long. And a bit, a little bit scary, but for me, you know, any path to my son is okay with me and that's just what I wanted. And so I don't look back at like what happened two weeks ago and go, oh, that was really awful. It just is what it is, Mm. you know? And so for me, I think I'm really lucky because I don't think I had a traumatic birth. I just, that was my birth. It was, but it's also, uh, you know, it's your very particular birth, but it's also a common story that... People who talk endlessly about what kind of birth you're going to have and you can say, I'm going to have this kind of birth, but actually you have no idea. You have no idea. And the one thing I didn't want was 30 hours of labour in a cesarean. And that's exactly what you got. But now it doesn't matter. No. You know, he's here and he's great. And How's your physical recovery? Uh, Cesareans are no joke. I... Can um, you walk, like, can you, yeah. I mean, obviously you're here yeah. with me. but Well, like. stairs are hard. So I'm an idiot, of course. Um, after they got my pain meds right, it's great in hospital. Someone brings you strong drugs every four hours, so you don't feel it. Mm. It's excellent. So I guess I probably overestimated how well I was feeling until I got home and I was busy and I was trying to work out and I would forget to take my medication. And it's impossible to almost catch up on the pain. You need to get ahead of it. So there's been a few days at home where I've been in a lot of pain. And also you're in your own bed. You don't have a bed that goes up and down and nurses to help you get up. It's really hard. Um, and I think I did it the other day, which was a good reminder. You know, I had a friend pop over who's a physio that said to Rich, the fact that she's walking around is amazing. Don't let her do any more than that. And as you know, I'm moving you next are. week because I'm a maniac. But then this, you are moving house next week which because you are a maniac. But also if there is any time that you are allowed to be, I can't do anything, I it's know. now. And I'm learning that. You can't lift a box. You I can't know. move a thing. And Obviously, no one's telling me to no. except for me. But it's, it's such an adjustment from um, such a fast-paced life to just being with your baby which is the most special thing. Whenever he's with me, I don't mind. I can sit there for four hours. But if he's with Rich or he's in the cot for an hour, I'll try and fit eight hours worth of chores into an hour. Of course you will. Which you're not supposed to do. So don't do that. Um, But it's been good. And so Alexander... Anyone who follows you on Instagram knows what a ridiculously cute baby he is. He's pretty cute for a newborn, I've got to say. He looks like a 90-year-old gremlin, but <laughs> I love that. I loved your announcement, your birth announcement. You wrote, Alexander, in the hard times, I think you wrote, I daydreamed of you. I did. And <gasps> that makes me want to cry. <laughs> me too. Right now. I just can't believe But this, here. what is it like to be living what you spent three years um, it still doesn't feel real. Every time I say to Rich, every few hours, can you believe he's here? Do you love him? Do you love him so much? And Rich is like, I bloody love him. Shut up. <laughs> but I just still can't believe that he's here. And I think, you know, with that comes a whole lot of new anxieties. I took him to the doctor the other day because I thought he was dying. He was just sleepy. Yeah. And I had a dumb thermometer that told me he had a, um, a fever. But I think, you know, I have to learn now that the anxiety won't go away. It will just change. And the fact that I like any parent, love him so much. This is a new whole world of terrifying love. 
People say that when you become a parent, it's like walking around with your heart on the outside of your body. Yeah, it absolutely feels like that. But it's also the most special thing in the world. Lee, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For coming here today and sharing this with us. I just, I'm so bursting with happiness for you. You are so welcome. And if you've had your shots, you can come for a visit. Otherwise, no one can come over. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you. That's our executive editor, Lee Campbell who is not back at work, everybody, before you start sending angry emails, but has come in to share her birth story with us. You can share a birth story with us anytime at TGM. We would love that. You can email us at tgm at mamamia.com.au or pop into the Mamma Mia Parents Facebook group. Bye. <laughs>